Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for everyone, <laughs> including preachers. All right. I'm Tim McNinch. I like that. And I'm Rachel Wren. For this week's episode, which I would add is our 99th episode, by the way, mm-hmm. the first reading is for January 17th, 2021, and it is 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10, maybe verses 11 to 20. We'll see what happens. And Tim is up to bat this week. Now, uh, this is a text I think you're pretty familiar with. Is that right? <laughs> How would you guess? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. This is this is a part of the section of the Bible that I'm focusing on for my dissertation. So I spend hours upon hours staring at this passage and its context there at the beginning of Samuel. Ah, nice. So uh, do you want to say at all how you're using it in your dis? Well, uh, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't tip my hand too much in the pre-publication phase here, but uh, part of what I'm looking at is how this text and others bring together traditions about Eli and Samuel and weave them together into shared stories like this one mm-hmm. in order to draw out comparisons and contrasts between the characters. Ah, very nice. Historical, literary, that's fun stuff going on there. I look forward to reading that research someday. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, were you able to to put dis brain on hold and put preacher brain on as you were looking for this text? What do we what do we got for First Samuel three this week? Yes, I came up with something here. Nice. <laughs> so part of what this story has going for it is that it is such a great story. Mm. It it takes the bigger story of Samuel, which so far has been going a mile a minute, and it slows way down to draw out this one moment of encounter between Samuel and God. The story set in Shiloh, uh, a religiously significant city in the northern territory of what would eventually be called the kingdom of Israel. And by the way, there's a temple there in Shiloh. This story comes to us from before the time in the biblical history when there was only one legitimate temple down in Jerusalem. So don't get thrown off by the fact of the temple there in Shiloh. That's uh, The text just sees it as a perfectly acceptable fact. Got it. Anyway, Samuel is working as an attendant to the priest, Eli, or Eli, and one night, God calls his name. Mm. The drama of the story is in Samuel's repeated inability to recognize the voice as being God's. He keeps thinking that Eli is calling him. So three times he rushes to Eli with a polite version of, what do you want now? (laughs) And eventually, it's Eli who picks up on the fact that God is trying to get Samuel's attention and coaches Samuel with a scripted response for the next time he hears the voice. Mm. And God does speak to Samuel again. This time, God calls his name twice, Samuel, Samuel. And by the way, a little Hebrew lesson here. Often immediate repetition like that is the ancient Hebrew manuscript equivalent of us using all caps in a text. (laughs) So by now, God is practically shouting to Samuel, and the boy finally answers God, speak for your servant is listening. So then in verses 11 through 20, which are optional in the Revised Common Lectionary listing, they convey God's message to Samuel in that moment. So there's a whole discussion about how uh, the whole text is about God trying to get Samuel's attention. And then once we get to God getting Samuel's attention... We don't hear the end of it. (laughs) Right, right. You would think that that would be an essential part of the reading and not just an additional tag on. Yeah, maybe. 
At least they give it to us in parentheses in the They're, in the RCL. That's very kind. Yeah. <laughs> so as it turns out, the message that God has for Samuel is a message of judgment against Eli, Samuel's boss, mm. and against Eli's family who have abused their position as priests for their own benefit at the expense of a vulnerable people. Therefore, God announces that they'll be cut off forever with no hope of restoration. I don't think that's a message I'd kind of like to get from God if I were Samuel. Uh, it's kind of a bummer and also kind of awkward because Eli is his boss, right? Mm -hmm, and the guy mm -hmm. who helped him figure out how to listen to God. Yeah, totally. But you know, that that's pretty typical stuff for prophets, right? I mean, I think especially about Isaiah's call story, remember? Mm -hmm. Who will go for us and whom shall I send? And Isaiah pipes up with, ooh, ooh, send me, send me. And then what does God say to him? <laughs> yeah, something like, you know, go tell the people, hear but don't understand, see but don't perceive. It's something about like stopping their ability to hear the message that he's about to give them, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> being, being a prophet is not a glorious job. Quite often, for the biblical prophets at least, they were given hard, hard things to say. And things that made them personally vulnerable as the messenger of bad news. Mm -hmm. For preachers out there, I think that latching onto and glamorizing the cool call story of Samuel in verses 1 through 10, without also including the serious, weighty, risky vocation that comes along with the call, would be a real preaching pitfall. Yeah, absolutely. Latching onto and glamorizing both for parishioners and for ourselves as preachers, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think I wonder, too, if there's a, a danger of glamorizing even the difficulty of the message that he's given to say, because it's easy to think then that if I'm going to say something that's going to make people mad, then I am acting as Samuel did. And that could be true, but maybe not always, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree. Okay, so there's a, a couple of pitfalls in this. So what would your angle be if you were going to preach this text? Yeah, well... Uh... Preaching narratives is fun to do, I think. I really love narratives. But it's not always easy because there isn't always material there that is explicitly sort of didactic. Mm. We have to interpret and preach it by way of finding points of connection between its plot and the plot of our own lives. And here, I think the way that this story puts Samuel's prophetic call story in the awkward middle of his relationship with his mentor, Eli, I think that's really fodder for reflection. Mm. If we consider ourselves, I mean, maybe not necessarily prophets, but some kind of representatives for God in the world, then we have to be ready to be put in places that are uncomfortable, awkward, sometimes personally risky. Speaking truth to power often includes the power that's nurtured us and endowed us with many of our privileges. I think that applies pretty easily to somebody like me as a straight white male American. I see part of my calling as a Christian, and not even as a teacher or a pastor or a leader, just as a Christian, to be to speak up against the very systems that have made my life comfortable. It means putting myself out there when I encounter racism or homophobia or greedy self-interest, even at the risk of making friends uncomfortable and putting our relationships at risk. Of course, I'm, I'm not saying that we should be bombastic and untactful or unloving in our speech and our actions, or that we should intentionally offend people and you know, damage relationships. I'm just saying that following the way of Jesus means 
not taking the path of least resistance when it comes to evil. Mm. Samuel could have brushed off this message and lived a good long life as an assistant priest at Shiloh. Verse 15 tells us that he was afraid to relay the message to Eli. But ironically, once again, at Eli's prompting, Samuel (laughs) spills the beans down to every last word, and the story says that he continued to grow as a faithful messenger for God. So there's that. I think the other message of this story to keep in mind is that not only does God appear to Samuel in this story, God is also revealed to us when we read the story. And the image of God in this story is one of a God who doesn't turn a blind eye to greed and exploitation of the vulnerable. That's the grace in a message of judgment, that God takes sides with the abused and against the abuser, even if it means waking up the novice prophet four times to get their attention with the message. So when it seems like there's so much wrong in the world and so many powerful people working hard to keep it that way, and who are we, who are little we to do anything about it, we can remember that God is on the side of the vulnerable and backs up our message of justice with divine authority. That should give us confidence to step out into the risky business of being a Christian. Yeah, I think that's a powerful case for keeping God's message as a part of this lectionary text to kind of ensure that it doesn't become just a sort of sermon about how is God speaking in your life? This is this is a, a text about how is God speaking in your life, but it's also a text of how is God speaking you into risky places? And not just mm-hmm. risky places, but risky places on behalf of those who are vulnerable and on behalf of those who... Um, who maybe don't have that same position of voice or power that even as a little boy, you know, Samuel had Eli's ear. Uh, Lots of people didn't. So um, yeah, never discounting the ways that God can use whatever position we're in in our lives, I think is a great, great part of that message too. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Thanks, Tim. And uh, thank you to all of you who are listening. We know that it has not been an easy last year to be a pastor, that y'all have probably had to say some things and do some things that put you in that personally vulnerable, risky position. So if you're tired of being there, perhaps hear this message as encouragement and as a, a, a sort of pep talk that God is with you when you protect those who are vulnerable. Thank you so much for all that you do. We appreciate your listenership, and we hope that you enjoy this and that you share it with other people, either through our website or our Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Thanks for listening.